values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with us here. The New York governor talking about the uh, federal solutions to the border. I want you to hear this very quickly. As things are changing, we are starting to hear a different uh, a different tune being sung by people now that things are happening in some of these other places, which is why I believe this was uh, this is what happened um the reason why the governors are doing what they've done is because they were trying to get uh, other states outside of the border to understand the plight of the states are in. So this is what uh, Governor Hochul of uh, New York said. We have been working almost hourly with the city of New York since the immigrants or the migrants started arriving. And it's something that we're working, first of all, to say that human beings should not be used as political pawns. Once they come here, they need a place to stay a transitional time, usually upwards of a week, in order to get you know their feet on the ground and to find a place to live. So this is just a temporary situation. But absolutely, we're working working at the federal government as well. I've raised this with the White House, that this recalls for a federal solution. Let's look at federal facilities, federal staff to help supplement the city. And the state is doing the same, trying to lend our support in site selections and making sure that you know this does not get out of control, that we can manage this uh, with the scale we have right now, but also continuing to call on the White House to give us a hand. So let's go down the list of some of the things that she just said. She said it's transitional. What they're giving, providing now is transitional so people can get on their feet. Fair enough. Uh, but she said we called for the federal government for a federal solution to this problem. Amen. Amen. She went on to say federal staff and federal facilities. What we have seen happen here in Arizona over time is when people come to the border in, in, in this disorderly fashion um, is that they are been dropped off and private organizations have to deal with it. So if we go back, I think it was about a year ago um, when there was an issue, I think during COVID, they dropped off a busload of people um, in Gila Bend and they actually were dropped off between a school and a retirement home. And we found out by talking to the mayor down there that there's really only one ambulance that patrols the entire town. And if somebody were to get sick, be COVID positive, they would have to be sent somewhere else um, to be screened or to be quarantined. And this was a COVID issue. When you think about it, when it when you're dealing with this issue of immigration, what do you think it's doing to those local resources? We know that there are busloads of people that were dropped off in the city of Phoenix. There are bus stations. Uh, I believe the last one I was talking about was at 27th Avenue in Glendale. There was a bus station there, and there was notification put out that we are dropping off a busload of people. And the people that were responding were local resources like churches and food banks and shelters. And so that is resources that are there for the people in that immediate area that are being taken up by people that have come here the wrong way. Now, again, I don't hate them. I understand their plight in many ways, but it takes up local resources. Arizona has been dealing with this. California has been dealing to a certain extent, but Texas for sure has been dealing with this for a very, very long time. And now that it's worse than it's ever been, you've got these places throwing up their hands and saying, we cannot do this anymore. We need help. And nobody's listening. Now, all of a sudden, after bus loads or plane loads of people end up in their front yard, sanctuary cities, by the way, they are 
putting on the face, and I'm not saying it's an act. They are saying we're doing the best we can. I believe them. But the federal government has to jump in here. The federal government has to come up with a solution to this. And I'm thinking, amen. Well, when when Ducey says that or Abbott says that or DeSantis says that, they're using people as pawns and this. And no, they're saying to the federal government, you have to fix this. I talked about the drugs earlier and that the, a lot of the fentanyl coming in is coming through the ports of entry and it's being brought in by American citizens. The idea that I'm – and I, I never had this picture in my mind that it's only people that are coming into the country illegally with brown skin from other countries like South America or Central American and Mexico or Central American countries and Mexico. I don't believe that at all. The cartels are the ones controlling it. But there are a lot of U.S. citizens that are playing a role in this, and I think it's despicable as a U.S. citizen to do that. If you are someone that is, is so you – know, well, how do you pass up that kind of money? Well – you know, if money means that much to you, I think you've got your priorities messed up. We're hearing about a woman that made a million dollars or how much money she made by bringing people in illegally into the country. They found a drop house out in the East Valley. I don't know if it was Avondale, but West Valley. I don't know if it was Avondale or where it was. And she was making tens of thousands of dollars per person she was bringing into the country. Well, okay. Now to everybody out there, how much money do you need? What's your soul worth? What is your character worth? What are your beliefs and your standards worth? And now we know what her price is. When you see other Americans that are a part of the trafficking of drugs like fentanyl, which is a poison. It's not even a drug. It's a poison. And you get so many Americans that are crossing the border. But the reason why that so much of these, this drug, so much of this contraband is getting into the country is because our Border Patrol, the CBP – and ICE are so overwhelmed with human traffic and dealing with asylum seekers. Again, that is the main problem. It's driving the shortages needed to stop the crime. So, yeah, if you're an American citizen and you're muling in drugs or you're muling in human beings for profit, you are taking advantage of your countrymen. You are putting you are adding to the grief of your countrymen, and you also are not helping the people you're bringing. You know as well as I do, probably better because you're working for the cartels, you know that these people are going to be enslaved in many cases. There's nothing good about what's happening on our border right now. And when you hear the governor of New York make statements and say, we are looking to the federal government, we're looking for a federal solution to this problem, they have to step in with staff and facilities. We need federal staff and federal facilities. Amen. She is absolutely right. So now let me take it to the next level before I end this part of this conversation. What do you do now if you're the White House? What happens if the White House gives the response necessary for New York or Chicago? What if they do have facilities they provide? What if they do send federal authorities enough to control the situation in New York and Chicago? What happens then in Del Rio and McAllen and Yuma and all the areas around Arizona and Texas when they throw their hands in the air and say, we've been asking you for that kind of help for decades. You keep telling us everything's fine and the border's secure. Now, all of a sudden, in New York and Chicago, you're throwing all kinds of resources their way. What happens then in the court of public opinion? It, this is – as much as people don't like what the governors of, of, uh, of Arizona and Texas have done and Florida, it's been effective in making sure that it becomes a natural, a national conversation and maybe it will lead to a solution. We'll see.
We will see if that's true. In a moment, we get caught up on the biggest news stories of the day. We do it every day at 1120. We call it Did You Hear This? So stick around. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Man, time is flying. It's time to catch you up on the headlines. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. The national average gas price across the country is $3.80, but unfortunately, it's not the same in Phoenix. After a late summer break in prices, Phoenix stations are averaging back above $5 a gallon for regular. When will Arizonans receive see a reprieve in prices? A couple of things. It's this time of year and the blend of gas we sell is more expensive to produce, so it goes up naturally every year this time of year because of our environmental issues in Arizona. So that's the first price increase. So that goes down in the spring sometime. Also, the refinery issues in California. California making supply a little bit more of a rough issue. We get most of our fuel from Southern California. So until those refinery issues are done with, the supply chain issue is not going to be solved. But last but not least, we're not going to see any of a decline, I don't believe, because OPEC just reduced production by 2 million barrels per day, which is going to send oil way up. And it's also going to do the same thing to gasoline after that as well. New York City is seeing an influx of migrants, and Governor Kathy Hochul says she has reached out to the White House about it. We were working, working at the federal government as well. I've raised this with the White House, that this recalls for a federal solution. Let's look at federal facilities, federal staff to help supplement the city, and the state is doing the same. What happens if the federal government helps New York with their influx issues? Well, that's the issue for me, is I hope they get the help. I really do. I'm, I don't want to see people in the streets. I don't believe that the state should be burdened with this. I can't say Arizona should not but New York should. New York identifies itself as a sanctuary city, so they should be happy, and they act as if they are happy to accept people. But they said what we've been saying for years. This is a federal problem, and it needs a federal solution. Now, if New York and Chicago, if Illinois, if they get federal solutions, and the border states that have been screaming about it for a long time don't, that's overt politics, and that's what the people are going to see, and I think I believe that's what the American people will start screaming about, that it's not about politics. They're has to be American solutions. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the headlines. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre spoke on President Biden's trip to Florida and meeting with Governor DeSantis. There will be plenty of time to, dis- to, plenty of time to discuss differences between the president and the governor, uh, and but now is not the time. Why is it important to set aside differences in the midst of a tragedy? Because the American people are hurting. Because Americans, not Republicans, not Democrats, Democrats, Floridians are hurting. And you've got first responders, it doesn't matter what their politics are, that are separated from their families as they try to save lives, try to improve lives, recover bodies. At the same time, they're worried about rebuilding their homes as well. Those first responders deserve to be thanked by the governor of the state, by the president of the United States. And as Americans, that's the one thing that is the symbol of Americanism is the president. So the president needs to go to Florida and he needs to say, on behalf of the citizens of the United States, we're with you and we're here to support you and we want to thank you for your efforts. That is where politics should get aside. It's the one time I will say that this is where they deserve credit because they are political enemies. And many people think if President Biden runs for re-election, his opponent might be Ron DeSantis. So this could be a preview of an election, and you have to set that aside. And I'm going to give him credit and DeSantis a credit for putting those differences aside and putting Floridians first. Right thing to do. 
Last night, Aaron Judge snapped a 3-for-15 stretch to secure history. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Number 62 to set the new American League record. If you caught the ball, would you have given it back? I would have sold it back. I know that sounds like a horrible thing, but I would have gone to Aaron Judge first. I would go to Aaron Judge first, and I would say, you've got first dibs on this. You tell me what it's worth to you. Let's work something out, because I would much rather have you have this ball than some collector. And uh, not that there's anything wrong with collectors, but you hit the home run. If you want number 62, it's here. But at the same time, we all know that the way this works is it's a souvenir for the fans. They get to keep them. So right now, it's mine. I own it. Is it worth it to you and he might be a player that says you know i'll be honest with you it doesn't mean it's not worth two million bucks to me and if you can get two million bucks somewhere else or three million bucks or whatever it is that it's going to sell for but i would give aaron judge first right of refusal i gotta tell you i am a baseball fan not nearly as big a baseball fan as julia is but i love i like baseball i couldn't take my eyes off of it i bet you i've watched that movie or that movie that video five six times already when you see history made and you look at the history of baseball it is incredible to see this happen, and it's one of the things that keeps that sport America's pastime, because even if you're a casual fan, when it happens, you're glued to it. How happy were you, Julia? How happy were you to watch that happen? And you're not a Yankees fan. You're a Mets fan. But how happy were you to see that happen? Well, you're right. It's the historical impact that that home run means. It's been 61 years since Roger Maris's record, and now Aaron Judge is breaking it, which is pretty cool. It is very cool. And and to see his mother in the stands with, was it Roger Maris's son? Is that who has been in the stands with her for most of these games? To see them share that moment together is pretty cool. It was awesome. I loved it. And, and you're a, you are a major not just a baseball fan, but a sports fan. But you love baseball. I love baseball. I've loved it ever since I was a kid. And is it something you did with your parents? Yeah, me and my dad. We used to watch games all the time. He would take me to Shea Stadium all the time. It was it was really fun. Yeah, I, I told you my story about Shea Stadium back when the Mets won the World Series. I got to watch them play that summer. But it is. It's one of those things you're building memories. And I'll, you'll never, for, at least I won't. I won't forget that where I was when I saw that video and when it happened. It's pretty cool stuff. Thanks, Julia. Uh, that is Did You Hear This Again for Another Day. We will do it again tomorrow. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, coming up at 1135, we are going to talk and expand a little bit on gas prices and what the future holds now that we know what OPEC cuts are going to be. But we also have to talk about bigger things in the economy, what is facing, what the American people and the people of the world are facing. So we'll talk about all of that coming up next. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, appreciate you spending some time with us here on the show. I want to give you an update. Tomorrow morning, 835, we are scheduled to speak with the sheriff of Lee County, Florida. That's where Fort Myers, where Hurricane Ian made landfall. As most of you know, my brother works for the sheriff's office. He is a captain with the sheriff's office. And um, we've had the sheriff on before about some other things. But to get an update, as the president of the United States made his way to southwest Florida today, along with Governor DeSantis. So we're going to catch up with the sheriff and find out what the federal government had to say. And then a firsthand account of the recovery efforts in Fort Myers in southwest Florida. I know a lot of you have reached out that knew I grew up there. Uh, appreciate the thoughts and prayers. My mom is in town now. We've gotten her to Phoenix. She's safe. Um, and so we're, we'll go from there. And tomorrow morning will be that conversation. 
Now, as we talk more specifically about the economy, um, Tempe ranks number two on the money list of 50 best places to live in the United States. And uh, this was done by obviously money. And they use the criteria of uh, arts and culture. Um, affordability and uh, finance, education, healthcare, tech. It is um, diversity. And the only city in the country that rated better was Atlanta. So it's kind of cool that they're on that list, and you take those lists for what they're worth. But we have to acknowledge that the quality of life in Arizona has, in my opinion, has changed dramatically over the years because we are starting to see huge investment from major corporations. And that is, uh, to me, that is, that's, it's called intentional growth. There is nothing lucky about this. It is intentional in how you do things. And it has to be multifaceted. It can't be myopic. We pay attention to tax cuts because that's what we fight about politically. One side of the aisle wants lower taxes. One side of the aisle wants higher taxes on wealthy people to pay their fair share. But what I think has been proven here, at least locally, when I don't know. I mean, you can argue that it's different on a federal level. I don't think it is, but people can argue it. But at the state level, there is no doubt that states with the lowest or no state income tax are faring much better now than other states. There's been a mass exodus from New York to Florida. There are huge numbers of people from the Midwest heading to the desert southwest, whether it's Las Vegas or the, you know, the, in Arizona, the Phoenix. We call it the Valley. They call it the Metro Phoenix area. We're, we are faring much better than the rest of the country, and there's a reason for that. It's intentional growth. It is intentional in the way things have been done. And so that's that's great news. But here are some things that aren't such great news. Nearly half of Americans making six figures are living paycheck to paycheck. If you remember, and I, this is something I did when I was young, this, is, this will give you an idea of where I came from. I remember when I started in the trades as an, an apprentice electrician. The minimum wage at that time was $3.65 an hour. And the guy that I was working for was paying me four fifty an hour. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm making, you know, I'm making a dollar more an hour. I'm making 40 more bucks a week. And I was doing all right. And when I started working, I decided I really liked this trade because I was working with people that like me that worked their way up. I worked for a guy that owned the company that used to wear the tools himself and built himself up as an electrician and then built a business. And I love that aspect of personal growth into leadership. And uh, I worked with guys on job site and women too. One of the, one of the greatest electricians I learned from was a woman named Michaela and uh, she was a great electrician and I learned a lot from her in running commercial work and it was pretty terrific. And I remember those people and talking to them. And at the time, um, there were a couple of these guys that were making like 12 bucks an hour. And I remember doing the math in my head on $12 an hour. Um, and this was, you know, 1985. And I thought, man, if I made 12 bucks an hour, I could live on my own. I wouldn't have to worry about money. And you think now 12 bucks an hour, that's crazy how much money that was then. But the fact of the matter is, and it leads to this point, wherever you are in your financial circumstances, you usually live a lifestyle right at that level. And then when inflation kicks in like it has, you're underwater because you were living at your means before and now you can't keep up with pay raises. You're living below your means. And uh, or above your means, you are you you don't have the ability to pay your bills and we're seeing too much of that. And this for me is what leads to the most discouragement by people, because if you're someone that's given up, there's nothing worse than being hopeless. And I'm not trying to be melodramatic, but be, be honest. 
you can be in a circumstance, Southwest Florida right now, um, the the huge number of people that I'm hearing from, my friends and my family members that are there, the attitude of Southwest Florida, and it wouldn't be every person, but Southwest Florida as a whole, the attitude is we will come back. We will survive this. We are going to recover. That's hope. Horrible circumstances in some places, still no power, still no water. Um, I was told today, I talked to my sister-in-law, they got power back on at their home, which is fantastic news. They're hoping to get internet tonight. It's very weird to talk to people in southwest Florida and give them information that they don't have about their town. Because we see the pictures in the news stories, they've been blind. But I digress. The the attitude of Southwest Florida is one of we will come back from this. There's hope in that. When that changes, when you are defeated, when you've lost everything and you think you are never going to have anything again, that is a completely different place to be. When it comes to finances, when you go through a difficult financial time, and I think all of us have or most of us have at some time or another, I remember when I first realized how in debt I was with my business and where we were going when the economy just fell through the floor. I went through a time for a couple of weeks, almost three weeks, where I didn't sleep and I didn't eat um, and I was getting like an hour sleep a day. I was surviving on energy drinks and adrenaline because I couldn't sleep. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm never going to get out of this. I'm never going, I'm never going to make this money, enough money to pay this debt off. And I had a very good friend named Bruce who talked me off the ledge. He was in business himself who spoke to me and said, you know, this is going to pass and you're going to see going down the road that either this is going to be a blip on the screen or a great way for you to learn. And, and, and he was right about all of it. But when it was facing me, there were there were a few weeks where I was absolutely hopeless, hopeless. And we are seeing people right now that are frustrated because they're working hard like they always have. And not only are they not putting money aside for their future, they can't keep up with their present. They're having to tell their children no to things, the prospect of missing Christmas. Other families got the prospect of being homeless for Christmas. I mean, that's the stuff that's going to drive people over the edge. And I hope we don't get there as a country. I really don't. The Dow is down about 30 points, um, both the S&P and NASDAQ are also down a little bit today. Um, And I believe a lot of it has to do with what happened with OPEC. The OPEC nations decided that they were going to cut production by 2 million barrels. They are driving up. They are intentionally driving up the price of oil. And, you know, if you're Vladimir Putin, what, 30% of the world's oil supply comes from Russia? Not not, not 30% of ours, but 30% of the world's oil supply comes from Russia. So they are still going to be going and producing oil. Now, imagine how much better off their bottom line and their economy is when oil production goes down in other parts of the world and they're selling their oil for more money. So they are now actually doing better financially. And at the same time, the frosting on the cake is they can mess up the economy of the Western world, what they're going to have to pay to heat homes in Europe, what America is going to endure this winter. That's a bonus for them. And not having a seat at that table, that's where my problem lies with this. The fact that we have so hammered the fossil fuel industry in America that we cannot, we can't say, well, we're going to up our production by this many. We're going to do this to try to offset that. We don't have that seat at the table. And that's where I have such a big problem with the policies of this administration. I just think that they have, um, they have fallen short.
What I want to do before we close the show out today, I talked about this very briefly, and it has to do with what is very funny to me, which is The Onion, which is a website, a parody website, satire. And they are actually have filed a friend of the court brief to talk on a Supreme Court case that has to do with satire being protected speech. I think it's very important. It's a funny story. It certainly is sarcastic. But, man, it is also very, very important. So we're going to talk about that before we close it out in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Um, I, I mentioned this earlier. It's not the most serious of issues on its face, but I think it's one of the biggest issues around. We've talked about uh, all the ways, we, what we say to each other and how we say it. The phrase hate speech, which is is just a horrible phrase because what's hateful to you and what's hateful to me could be two different things. And it depends on who you're talking about because there are some people that deserve hate speech according to others. And um, it depends on what you're saying and what side of the aisle. The cancel culture is filled with hypocrisy. And I bring this up because of the website called The Onion. Now, The Onion is a satirical website. What they do is they write satire, but they are so brilliant at it. They write these fake news stories, and when you read them, they could be real. That was That's the point of the humor. They're so absurd, but when you read it, you think there's enough truth in here that it's funny because this could be true, whatever their topic is. They've jumped into the Supreme Court case trying to protect parody uh, as protected speech, and it's amazing to me that they uh, – Uh, That they even have to do this. I want you to hear something because, you know, when you watch some of the late night shows, especially they are one sided politically and which is why I think that Saturday Night Live is dying. It used to be the funniest show on television, but they are so one sided politically and it's not funny when something's funny. I don't care who it's aimed at, even especially when it's aimed at me. If it's funny, it's funny. And The Daily Show goes after uh, Vice President Harris. And the reason why is because – remember the show Veep where the Veep was just this vapid – never said anything. Spoke a lot but never said anything. So they took drops from the show Veep and they actually put uh, alongside them, they put uh, uh, Vice President Harris. What's going on, boys? We just want to say hi. Why? I don't know. We're just sitting here listening. You came to listen to the show? No, there's something going on. What's going What's on? What's up, Broomhead? What's happening? We just walked by. We wanted to say hello. That's it. Your That's hair it. looks good today. Fantastic. You're showered. Your mom's here. Look at those glasses. He looks great, doesn't he? Florida's Man, he, rebuilding itself. I'll tell you, he looks like on? he's 40 again. Florida's strong. Nothing. We were just literally walking by. We're All right, just, we'll see you later. Just hanging you, out. You make me very nervous when you do this. I heard about you talking about the onion. I love the onion. Do you? All right, so let me ask you guys. Have you seen the court case? Have you talked about it yet? Oh, yeah. I've talked about my national show, absolutely. But the, the, the fact that they have to go to court to protect speech blows you away, doesn't it? 100%. You know? Satirical speech, it, yeah. too, by the way. Yeah, it's like the Babylon Bee. I subscribe to the Babylon Bee because those headlines are so funny. Mm. But the idea that you can't poke fun because, for whatever reason, it, especially for what we do, when are we going to be not be allowed to say what we think because it's wrong or hateful? Amicus brief, too, that they wrote was hilarious. Their whole thing was they're going to take they're going to make this whole thing fun to show how absurd it is, right? Because it's totally absurd. Have you? Uh, do you guys? What comedians do you guys? You guys like stand up comedy? Oh, absolutely. sure. Chappelle, baby, the goat. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was saying there are comedians that are offensive to a lot of people, but they're hysterically funny. Look at the list: Dave Chappelle, Ricky Gervais, uh, Bill Burr, Jesselneck. Uh, 
Um, yeah, um, Jimmy Carr's the most offensive human being on earth. And you, uh, well, look at uh, Joe Coy, who is a oh, superstar right absolutely. now. Absolutely, who's Joe Coy? He's a Filipino com- stand-up comedian that doesn't act about being Filipino that he couldn't do if huh. he wasn't Filipino. Right, but it is it's every stereotype out there, and he makes it so funny. I'm not Filipino, and I laugh my head off. Are you absolutely. not Filipino? <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. Hey, I got a cheap plug. We got Liz Cheney coming up today at oh, four good. o'clock. Good, she's, you did get her. Good. She's yeah. in yeah. Phoenix, and she's kind of campaigning against Carrie Lake. But not for anybody. But not that's necessarily okay. for Hobbs, but... That's the thing. Yeah. Is, is And I, I can't wait to hear that interview, because are you here on behalf of Katie Hobbs, or are you just here to be against Carrie Lake? I think you're here to be against Carrie Lake first, and then maybe you're for Hobbs. Okay. Yeah. So we'll have her at four. Because when I see an interview, she still, she still tells everybody, like, I'm a conservative Period. First of all, dad, you know, Emperor Palpatine would never allow her to She voted with Trump 93% of the time. She's a conservative. Yeah, but it's, you know, again, she's against the election denial. There you go. I get that, too. I I just, again, I don't know what value there is in campaigning against someone. Like, I don't know what value there was for Cindy McCain to actively go against uh, Donald Trump. I I understand why she didn't like him or wouldn't vote for him. I think it eats at you, and you have to do it because maybe you have a moral compass. And you have to do it. Maybe. Okay, but then... But are or you, are you advi- doing it to get headlines? And yeah. you want to be back in there? And that's what I'm hoping you get answers to. And are you advocating for people that now you're advocating for people that you know you disagree with completely? Look, he's Absolutely. already given us questions. No, I think it's 100%. Online. I think, it, like, you, you know, you're, you're this is not who you are. You might say, I'm not an election denier, and I feel this is this is absolutely something we need to talk about. That being said, uh, I'm pro-life. I am for lower taxes. I want to, you know, all the things that you believe in and hold true, this person is vehemently... Uh, opposed to. You're juxtaposing the two. It's a weird thing. It's democracy. It's strange. She's all and about democracy. And you're going to find out where she's kind of campaigning around town. Are you talking to her about that? Yeah, I think she's uh, she's supposed to be here doing a speech or something as yeah. well with McCain, McCain, Institute. In, yeah. McCain Institute. Oh, she was probably talking about The Onion. I love The Onion. I love that website. The Babylon Bee is my favorite, just yeah, the headline. Absolutely. Do we get paid for coming in and doing absolutely. this? Absolutely. Do we get part of your check? If you'll, if you'll take a check, I'll write you one right now. Oh, all right. I'm very excited <laughs> about it. Tomorrow on my show, I've got the sheriff of Lee County, Florida, is going to be out with me talking hurricane update. Nice. My, my brother's boss, I better be nice. Ah, you, you should. You want us to break in then, too? That'll yeah, we'll we'll yeah, if you don't mind. <laughs> All right, we're just about out of time. If, you're a, if you are a social media user, at Broomhead KTAR on Twitter, Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram. The boys are leaving now that they've destroyed my show. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a great day, everyone. God bless.